Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Across the Romaverse, episode 162. Jimmy and Steve here with you. Just a few hours after Roma's victory over Salernitana in Salerno, it's two wins on the trot for De Rossi's men under the former Roma captain. Jim, another win for the Giallarossi, but I think there's definitely some things we need to discuss in the win, but of course, three points is always the, the end goal. Yeah, three points is three points, especially at this moment in the season. Uh, I'll also add that, you know, this does set Roma up to be once again fighting quite seriously for a Champions League spot. Uh, as of right now, you know, there are some teams that haven't played yet, uh, but Roma is only one point behind Atalanta uh, with 22 matches played, and Atalanta's in fourth. Uh, that is a win. And I mean, we discussed this last week about kind of the timing of the sacking of Mourinho, and if part of the reason behind that was to allow for. De Rossi or whoever came in to be a, uh, you know, to get a bit of a runway going. And I think that we are seeing that, you know, uh, this is, this was Daniele De Rossi's second match as a manager in a top flight league. Considering how Salernitana is quite literally at the bottom of the table and five points behind 19th, this was a match that they definitely needed to win. And it would have been a fiasco of major proportions if they hadn't. However, uh, I will also say that this is the type of match you need to win, and they won it. So we can't be too upset, but there's definitely room for improvement. 
Yeah, for sure. So you referenced the table. I'll just kind of update everybody where we stand now. And Roma has played more matches than most of the teams around them because, like we mentioned last week, the Supercopa pulling teams away from Italy and playing uh, over in Saudi Arabia. Most of those teams were teams around Roma the table. So uh, Inter's played 21. They're on 54 points. Juve, 22 matches played, 53 points. Milan, 22 matches, 46 points. Those three are kind of out of the reach of Roma at this point. But when you talk about that race for the Champions League, which is generally fourth place, could be also fifth place this year, depending on that new UEFA rule with the coefficients by the end of you know all the European competitions. Italy does have a shot at getting a fifth place, uh, but definitely not something we're going to bank on because we don't know how the knockout rounds are going to go. So obviously the goal is fourth. Right there is Atalanta, 21 played, 36 points. Then it's Roma, 22 matches played, 35 points. And then they're followed by a bunch of clubs on 21 points. It's Lazio on 34 points, Fiorentina on 34 points, Bologna 33 points, and Napoli 32 points. And even Torino kind of in the mix, I guess, on 31 points with 21 matches played. That rounds out the top 10. Um, so Roma has put themselves back in that position, like you said, into the firmly into the fight for Champions League. They got some favors this weekend, right? I mean, Bologna drew Milan, uh, almost lost that match. Uh, Lazio and Napoli, uh, a dull 0-0 draw from what I was told from uh, a buddy of mine who was watching that match. He said it was uh, it was Mourinho Allegri from a couple of years ago. <laughs> it yeah, reminded it was him pretty of, miserable. Uh, yeah. Um, Fiorentina also dropped all three points to Inter. So, I mean, in terms of like how well it went for Roma, in terms of who dropped points around them, except for Atalanta, which is why Atalanta is now up to fourth, it was a near perfect weekend for them in terms of where, where the table looks now. Um, obviously with those matches in hand, a couple of those teams or all, you know, like four teams could, could jump Roma, but, uh, you know, they would all have to win. And you talked about De Rossi getting a a runway. And I, you know, we talked about when the Mourinho firing happened, how we all kind of felt like it was a strange time for it because Roma did have these three matches coming up and maybe he could have righted the ship. But at the same time, it also gave De Rossi this three match run of matches that the Giallo Rossi should win. Um, and then maybe get a little momentum heading into the, the stretch run with the Europa League and with Inter, the fourth match that he's going to be in charge and things like that. So, so far, the first two matches have gone according to plan and just getting the, the, the you know, the Jalorosi right in terms of the direction they're heading in terms of points in the table. Um, and one thing, too, there's definitely things to critique in this match, Jim. And I, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be transparent up front with this match being a, a Monday afternoon here in the States. I didn't get to watch much of any of it. I did catch Pellegrini's goal and then threw the rest of the, what was left in the match on in my car. And I'll talk about the mm-hmm. second half of what I at least got to listen to during my commute home. Um, but one thing I, I do think it's important to point out in these matches, De Rossi has been down some regular starting 11 players in, in each of these matches. You know, last week it was Mancini and Cristante, who are your two vice captains. This week it's Paredes and Spinazzola. So, He's transitioning the side to the back four and losing a couple key pieces each week. So we haven't really seen the Roma maybe that he's envisioning quite yet in terms of who's his preferred midfield because he's been missing a key midfielder each week. You know, it, what what is he looking for if he does have all those midfielders? Does Pellegrini move up to El Sharari's spot um, and El Sharari become more of a super sub? So those are the things I'm looking forward to coming up is when they do have everyone available, especially in the midfield. Um, what it looks like because just reading some of the mat the comments on Twitter at halftime when I, I had a quick break uh, to look things over, I did notice that I forget who was that tweeted it, but someone said that you know if Roman wants to play this possession based football, which the first half they had about seventy percent possession, I believe um, they're going to need that Paredes type midfielder, that common presence because 
for having 74 percent of the ball they they didn't do a lot they made some mistakes that actually slarney ton had all three first half shots on goal um a better side might have been up a goal or two by halftime so paredes maybe was missed today in, in that sense in terms of, of retaining possession moving the ball well um i know he has a lot of detractors on roma twitter and what did you see in, in those terms do you think he was missed big in terms of how Roma held possession in the first half and what they did with it. Cause the XG was only 0.08 in the first half for Roma. Yeah. Uh, that first half was not exactly the most inspiring football. And uh, Daniela De Rossi after the match definitely had a reason to criticize uh, the tempo that both sides were playing with, but so I'll just read the quote here said, I said the same things to go- to the guys that I said after Verona, if we do the slow ball possession and we never shoot on goal, we'll lose many games. There is work to be done in understanding the moments of the game and what we need to do to be better in that aspect. In football, duels must be won. That's how you win games. Then it gets too philosophical. If the boys don't win the duels, it's my fault because I have to put them in a position to do so. When I manage to make it clear that you have to recognize the moments of the game, then they will make the difference in possession. And I think that really is a good way to sum up why the first half was so frustrating. Uh, Roma had something like 72% possession uh in that first half and did absolutely nothing with it Mm -hmm. Uh, not even one shot on goal and so to basically have only you know two yellow cards for each side to show for the first 45 minutes of a game between a club trying to qualify for the champions league and the dead last club in the top flight that's pretty embarrassing uh i will add that the second half i felt was an improvement uh of course the game ended up being a 2-1 win as opposed to a 2-0 win. And we can get into kind of what happened with that goal by Castanos uh, later. But I will say that a 50, a 51st minute um, penalty does seem like the type of situation where the head coach had something to say in halftime after a pretty putrid first half. And then within 10 minutes, uh, the club was able to turn that into actual goal scoring chance and a goal. So you, you got as much as it was disappointing that first half, you do have to be at least a little bit happy that, you know, by the 70th minute, Roma had scored two goals. Um, that which is obviously far more than even chances that they created in the first half of the game. Yeah. And and you think about the penalty, a, a little fortunate probably that um, Majority's arm was out because the, the header from Crisante was, was most clearly going wide. And I don't think anybody would have run onto it as he headed it down, but like you said, they, they created a chance and they put the ball into the box and, and, you know, you get the ball in the air and Roma's got a pretty, pretty big side when, when taking into consideration players like Tristante Mancini and, and some of the others, I know uh, Lukaku, of course, um, you know, Smalling's been out, you know, he used to be one of those guys that would get up there in the air and, and, you know, Ibanez who's now gone, but when Indica comes back. So when you play balls in the air, especially off set pieces, um, you can create opportunities for yourself. And, and finally Roma got across and that Tristante got his head in on and, and it turned into a penalty kick. And, and Dybala, of course, you know, when you put him on the line, there's very few times he misses those. And then there was even a quote from De Rossi that, uh, you know, he was asked, like, you pointed to Miles Villar when Dybala scored the penalty. Was that about what was he was going to put it, where he was going to put it? And he goes, no, sometimes I mess around with the lads on the bench. I asked if he was going to score. And he said, of course, he'll score. It's Dybala. And, you know, and I think anytime Dybala steps to the line, um, you know, we're going to feel pretty confident as Romanisti that that ball will go in the back of the net. I, th- I think I can recall like one that he's missed. And I think that was one he got injured on last season um, as, as as crazy as that was. Um, so, 
once he steps up to the spot, feels really good. You get that goal, you get the lead in, and then you get that belief because it is last place Cernitana. Um, you are on the road, but that that helps a lot. Um, Roma did create a second goal. It was through Lorenzo Pellegrini. Uh, two two matches, two goals under uh, former teammate De Rossi. Um, you know, his predecessor as Roma captain, as, as full-time Roma captain, if we exclude the little bit that, that Dejeko was in there. Um, I think he's got to be feeling pretty good about himself. And De Rossi was asked about Pellegrini producing the goal in the big performance tonight. And De Rossi responded in, in turn. He said, I don't like talking about individuals because lots of them played with real heart. I couldn't think of a better captain in these circumstances for the way he welcomed me, regardless of the friendship we've always had and will always have. He's professional, hardworking. He involves his teammates and helps them. I wasn't part of the club, and I'm not the sort to stick my nose in. I didn't call or didn't sneak in. I'm not a nosy person. I've heard lots of things in the last few years. I've come back in and found a group of top lads, real professionals who really love this club, as we all do, and Lorenzo is a worthy captain for this team. And, you know, what I like there is not – even that De Rossi pointed out the goal or or really any of the on the pitch like things he's doing with the ball. It's really that he's he's lauding him as a captain. And I think De Rossi understands and we I think we talked about this a little bit last week when he was uh involved with the goal is that this could be really good for Pellegrini's confidence, I think. I think having Dybala there could could really help kind of Get him feeling good about himself again. I mean, obviously the goals are going to help too because anytime you're scoring goals or you're contributing to the sides in terms of the scoreboard uh, and the stat line, I think that is always going to help. Um, but he does seem to be a more confident player these last two weeks. I don't know if it's a change in, in formation that has helped that and his role in that formation. Uh, I know he did have that one tackle right before halftime, which I saw as I was watching some of the highlights just before we came on. That was a little bit... Um, you know, something you don't want to see him do and put, put himself in that position where another ref might have been a little more harsh with the card uh, rather than the yellow. Maybe it was one of those ones where you kind of say it's like an orange. Um, you know, you hear people refer to that. But I, I love the fact that Pellegrini is scoring goals, found himself in the back post and, and put that ball into the back of that. Um, and it was a big goal for Roma because two goals seem to be a magic number for them, at, at least at the moment, because they haven't been keeping clean sheets yet. Um, Karsdorp on the assist. Jim, what are you making of Pellegrini? I mean, I obviously, like I said, didn't get to watch much of the match at all in terms of seeing how he played, but seeing him on the score sheet and and getting the praise of De Rossi, I think is huge for him. I think that this is one of those things that I'm always cautious after a new manager gets brought in um, in terms of overanalyzing increases in form. Uh, it's just a challenge to be able to say like, oh, wow, look, Mourinho's gone and suddenly Pellegrini is going back to like his his ways of like scoring nearly 10 goals a season. I'm not jumping to that conclusion just yet. Yeah. What I will you get say that new is, manager bounce, they call it, right? Exactly. So like I'm not going to jump to conclusions here. What I will say is that I don't think that the Pellegrini that existed, especially towards the end of Mourinho's run, was the best, was the worst version of Pellegrini or the best version. And I don't think that we're seeing that right now either. Like I think that, we are seeing him play better, which is great because we need him to play better. Uh, but I don't think that it's like, I'm not going to blame Mourinho. I'm not going to praise De Rossi for the fact that Pellegrini has scored two and two. What I can say is that I really do feel as if something that is sometimes lost in the conversation around Roma's midfield is that Cristante and Pellegrini traditionally get very high marks for leadership uh, from all of their managers. And so it's nice to see the players who are perform, who generally have that role in the squad actually perform well. 
uh, it's good to have your club captain be in good form. And it's bad to have him not in good form because he's supposed to be the guy leading the charge. So the fact that Pellegrini has been able to kind of be a real difference maker over the past two match days is an important difference. Um, that's something that I hope lasts. Uh, and honestly, I know that I might be in a minority here, but a Pellegrini, Bove, and Cristante midfield going forward, if they can all, if Bove can become what we think he can, can become, that makes me pretty happy. And that's like, in my mind, that's a Champions League qualifying and maybe even going relatively deep midfield. That That is a midfield that could quite easily be the starting midfield for the Italian national team going forward. It's a good midfield, um, assuming that they're all playing at their best. So I'm happy to see more from Pellegrini. Uh, I'm not going to jump to conclusions and say that he's, you know, completely healed. Um, but it is nice to see him get a more attacking role, especially because after Dybala came in, it seemed like he lost a bit of that. So having this ability to, you know, still have Dybala on the pitch, but also give more offensive chances to Pellegrini. That's something that I'm really hoping sticks around in uh, De Rossi's tactics going forward. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Uh, you don't want to read too much into it, right? He could also be feeling better too, physically. I think that could have something to do with it. We know he was he's battled through quite a few injuries this season, but just seeing him feeling good, being a part of the the, the side, and you know, um, just really being involved, I think is going to be good for him. And I think having those words from De Rossi just help in terms of you know him him knowing that he is thought of highly by his new manager of course who did like De Rossi said they have a friendship going back to their playing days together when De Rossi was the young um the the vet and Pellegrini was the the youngster coming up and I'm sure he took him under his wing being that they both were in the midfield together and you know probably doing a lot of the same drills together and training and tactical stuff together so um I, I definitely think that is um you know a good thing for him and and I think you're right we got to see a, a bigger sample size to say he's truly back to his best form but goals most certainly help. And, and, you know, Roma needed that goal, like we said, because they only won this match 2-1. It got nervy uh, a little bit after that. You know, and, and these were the only two shots on target Roma had in the match were both in in the goals that they scored, right? So they didn't do, do a lot of creating outside of the two goals. They did control a lot of possession in the first half. That tailed off in the second half. The second half possession ended up being about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, and Salernitana had another four shots on target. So Salernitana had seven shots on target in total. Um, a more clinical side maybe beats Patricio once more, twice more, and, and Roma finds themselves in a different result. So definitely some things to work on. De Rossi was asked about the goal that was scored against Roma not too long after Pellegrini's goal, you know, just four minutes later from the sixth, sixth to the 70th minute. Um, he was asked when Salernitana scored their goal, your players were positioned well. What happened there? And he said, We've, we need a bit more time to work on these things. Uh, the guys have spent the last three years playing with three men in the area, three center backs, and you split the space up a bit differently. One day we work on being out of possession, another day on our line, another on closing down, another on getting the midfielders to take up positions in front of the two central defenders. We don't have much time, and we haven't worked on a lot of these things, so they find themselves with space to cover. Uh, now we'll have more time to analyze that, but before bringing Dean uh, Hoyson on and switching to five at 2-1, when we were a bit more careful and ready because we knew they could make it 2-2. We didn't give them a sniff. So it's a mix of both things. We need to work on positioning when we're defending crosses from the byline. We've done that, but not enough. But we need to really be careful because against good teams like Slarnitana, you can lose points. Um, you know, obviously, Deros is not going to say anything, you know, um, to, you know, belittle Slarnitana and their quality. He says when you 
you know, do that against good teams like so anytime he can lose points. I think he was more referring probably to the fact that when you play good teams like Inter in a couple weeks and, and better size than Salernitana, uh, it could really come back to bite you. But I think there's a lot of validity to what he has to say. I don't think it's an excuse that they really haven't had much time to work in the back four. He's had them for about two weeks now. Um, you're basically trying to cram in a whole new system in, in, in season. So you're basically learning it on the fly. Um, so I, I do think some of these mistakes will happen, especially when you're used to playing with three center backs. Now you're at two. Um, you know, so I, I do think there is going to be a little learning curve. Roma just has to limit it. Like he said, you know, you can't make these mistakes, um, and give them any more, right. You can't give them a sniff uh, of goal at two, nothing or even two, one. And, um, I, I think in part, if Roma had controlled a little more possession, I know it's natural to kind of take the pedal off the, you know, pedal from off the metal instead of putting it down right after yeah. you know you're up to nothing um you kind of do most teams tend to see a little more possession um would like to see roma control a little more you know if you're gonna have 74 percent the first half even if, if you're up try to keep it around 60 percent 50 50 is going to give slurring time plenty of chances that, and they did have their chances they scored the one from Castanos. um you know they had some other chances four shots on target but I do think there is a learning curve that Dorosi talked about. It just makes me a little nervy moving forward with uh, some tougher matches coming up. Yeah, I definitely think that there are tough matches coming up. The Inter one most specifically, but I mean, I think Roma will win against Fine Nord over two legs. But I think that'll be a tougher match than either Salernitana or Verona or even Al Shabab, which we haven't even mentioned yet. But, you know, it happened. Roma won 2 1. They basically put out mostly. Uh, backup players and that was that uh but at the same time you're you're never gonna really know at the moment what i'm learning about daniela de rossi as a manager is that he can do the bare minimum that would be expected um he has been able to get two wins where roma should have gotten two wins i won't really learn much more than that from the cagliari match either uh because cagliari are not great this season uh we have a 65% chance of winning against Cagliari. Uh, and th- Cagliari has a 13% chance of winning going into this one. Cagliari is 18th um, with 18 points after 22 matches. These are, this is not a giant that we're trying to slay in uh, Daniele De Rossi's third match with the club. That intermatch will be a lot more challenging. That intermatch, I'm not expecting a win. I don't know if I'm expecting a draw. But I can say that I need to see some life from this side against Inter on the 10th. If we're not going to be in a situation where I am very skeptical of Daniele De Rossi's ability to be anything other than a caretaker, and if I want to have any faith that Roma can actually stick around in the top five where they currently are. Yeah, I, I think you I think you're right there. I think you know Cali Roma's at home. They should win that match. They tend to play pretty well at home, especially against the mid to lower table sides. Um it's going to have to be a win for Roma, knowing that Inter's the following week. Now, knowing what the table looks like, it's going to have to be a win. Cali is all the way down there in 18. So it's going to be two relegation teams in, in a three-week and really back-to-back matches, um, which means Roma's going to have to get those three points if they want to you know, stick in this top four race. I, I think that goes without saying. Uh, I think you're right. Inter in a couple weeks to be the first real tactical test for Derossi to really get the most out of his side and and you know try to figure out a game plan that's going to be good enough to beat a top, top side, you know, Inter, in, in my opinion, you base having a great season, not taking anything away from them. To me, Inter is still the top team in Italy. And I think they play head to head. It might be this coming week, actually, um, you know, for them to kind of prove that, but 
it's definitely the first real test for Dorosi. And we're going to want to see the life. You know, it it is at the Olympico. That should give the side a little bit of a boost. I just think that Roma's going to have to find a way to. And I like the way they're trying to play possession football, especially when it's, a, you know, in the first half. But they're going to have to be careful because if they get caught out of possession by a team like Inter, Inter can really punish them, right? Lautaro is going to punish you. Uh, DiMarco is going to punish you. Um, yeah. You know, other players in the break, Taram, he's going to punish you. Um, along with their midfielders like Chalanoglu and Barella. And, you know, they, they have plenty of guys that are capable of doing that. Mkhitaryan and Fratezzi. So whoever, whichever way they line up, Dumfries, you know, guys are going to be coming at you all over the place. It's not going to be 36-year-old Kondreva. And, and no disrespect to him because we saw what he did to us the first match. Um, but 36-year-old Kondreva is not prime Lotaro, right, in terms of what yeah. he brings to the table in terms of an attacking player. So, um Obviously, we can't look past Cali yet, but it's going to be a, that'll be the first true test, and I think that's where De Rossi is really going to have to, you know, there's going to be a learning curve for him as a manager too. I mean, this is a guy who hasn't managed in the top flight yet, and um, he's going to have to figure that out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he approaches that match and and how he goes about attacking. Does he have his side be a little less aggressive in terms of you know pressing high? Do they play a little less possession football? But the thing I'm getting from De Rossi so far is I don't think we're going to see Roma sit back like they did with Mourinho and just let a team like Inter take it to him, take it to him, take it to him, and try to hit once on the counter and then you know fight tooth and nail for that 0-0-1-0 type uh, match, um, which could lead to some exciting football for Roma. It could also lead to a, a situation where it gets away from them. But I'm, I'm, I am curious to see when that time comes what it looks like in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, I think to put it mildly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a laugher just because that's how good Inter's been this season. I mean, as a reminder, Roma's in fifth and there's a 19-point gap between Inter yeah. and Roma and Roma have a, have a match extra that they've played. Uh, yeah. Now, Inter has lost one match this entire season. They've got a plus 40 goal differential. Like, like Inter's just on another level. Yeah, they're, they're on another level. I'm hopeful... I'm hopeful that Roma can get a draw, but that's about where I'm at with that Roma Inter match coming down the pipe. The good news is, looking at the matches after that, we get another lull, so to speak. Like that, that match is going to be tough. That February 10th match is going to be tough. But then, sure, there's the fine Nord tie. But other than that, it's Frosinone, it's Torino, it's Monza, it's Fiorentina, and it's Sassuolo. And then you're at mid March. Uh, Granted, that does mean that there's going to be some pretty challenging matches at the tail end of the season. Uh, April 28th, you've got Napoli. Uh, May 5th, you've got Roma-Juve. And May 12th, you've got Atalanta-Roma. So those are all going to be challenging matches to have towards the end of the season and could really be a difference maker in terms of Roma making Champions League. But the good news is, in the same way that Roma kind of has runway right now to slowly build up the tactics under De Rossi, even if the Inter match is a total laugher, it does seem like there will be chances for Roma to continue to slowly but surely rack up points against smaller sides after that match. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think if Inter is the side you drop all three points to, whether it's uh, close or not, that's a match you can kind of throw away if it if it gets out of hand. I think in some ways, it's what you do after that. I, I think you make a great point there because nobody's going to expect Roma to win that match. No. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure when you look at the odds going into that match, the odds makers are going to have Inter huge favorites, no matter what Roma does against Cali. You know, Roma could beat Cali 87 nothing next week, and I think they'll still be huge, huge home underdogs against Inter, uh, just because Inter is that good. 
yeah. I, I'm almost and I think you're right. There's some runway after that. There's Frozinone sandwiched between the Feyenoord matches. Torino, who comes to Rome, I think is beatable. Obviously, Monza away is beatable. Um, Fiorentina very inconsistent. So I don't fear going to the Artemio Franchi right now. Um, then it's home for Sassuolo away to Lecce. Like that stretch, you can get quite a few wins if you're playing well. Uh, then it's the Derby. Then to Udinese, and then you like you said that stretch with Bologna. We'll see where they are by that point. Napoli, Juve, like. I think it's good that Roma's going to have this runway for De Rossi to start really instilling his tactics, getting players back. You know, Smalling might be back, and Deke will definitely be back from FCON. Um, Abraham might even start to be worked into the mix a little bit as, as, as another option off the bench, maybe a little bit here and there, depending on how his recovery continues to progress. And maybe, you know, he could show what he's got um, to Roma management looking toward next season. Is he your striker or not, right? Because Lukaku's a loan deal. So they'll definitely be... I think some reinforcements. Angelino will be coming in for sure at left back. Um, so you don't have to worry about Spinazzola's injury history as much. Um, we'll see if uh, they make another move besides that. Um, who's the other player they were linked with? Oh, Baldanzi. I mean, if, they, if, if Thiago Pinto can make Baldanzi happen, which we'll see, there's only two days left in the Mercato after we finish recording tonight. Um, the rumors have quieted down today a little bit, maybe because it's a match day, but that would be a coup for Roma, in my opinion. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I mean, not just in terms of like, not in ter- just in terms of making sure that Roma's got more depth that's actually usable uh, in the second half of the season, but just in terms of really building up Roma's ability yeah. to win in the long term. Uh, Fratesi has not been like a world beater at Inter this season, so like I'm not going to say that Fratesi is a similar situation, but I will say that I love Paulo Dybala. But Roma has lived and died by Paolo Dybala this season. Bringing in a player like Baldanzi, who can at the very least be a strong backup for him, and at the most can make make it so that Roma can slowly but surely transition off Dybala being like the lifeblood of the side. That's important. Um, and I will say that he hasn't been as spectacular this season compared to his last season with Empoli. He's still been, in for my money, quite a good player. Um, and it's just that Empoli did not do anything to try to make his life easier um, this season, which is why they're in 19th. He's by, he's far and away the best player on that side, which is all well and good, I guess, if you're Empoli, but it would be nice to see him play among better players. Yeah. And I'm, I'm seeing from um, DeMartio yesterday that he hit that move kind of been halted a bit because of the, the Sanchez situation and having to free up a spot for him. So I, hopefully all that works out. Um, yeah. The, the terms I was reading most recently was 18-month um, loan with obligation to buy kind of situation to lower the price tag a little bit. And, and you know, maybe they send maybe a Pisili or a um, Pagano the other way. And I, and I, I always hate giving Which out I'm those totally fine with, prospects. But yeah. in this situation, I'm fine with it because Baldanzi is a better prospect in many ways in terms of what he's done so far. Um, and he would fit that Vice Dybala perfect for the rest of the season. Uh, grow into that role moving forward, become like a number 10 for Roma going forward. Uh, yes. I, I just, you know, I these rumors pop up all the time. He was connected a little bit in the summer too. And and this is one that gets me excited because there's not a lot of, you know, January rumors that get you too excited about um, the, the January Mercato. But th- this is one of them. Like Valdanzi to me could be a, a great fit um, yeah. moving forward. And like you said, long-term winning, right? He, he's a player that you can build around along with, some of the other players on the roster, like the Boves and the, you know, I'm sure Pellegrini will be part of that plan and a couple others. So um, definitely one to keep an eye on. I, I really hope it happens. We'll see. 
Um, but also, I think that the Angelino one can't be understated. I think that's going to be a big signing for Roma just because it gives them a, a true left back to play with, um, you know, who can play in that position. You don't have to worry about sliding Zalewski back there all the time. I, I think this could be a really good move for for Roma moving forward. And I think it's a loan with, I think it's like a 6 million euro option, if I saw right, if I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Yeah, that was the idea. It's a 6 million option that I believe becomes a required purchase if we fall for the Champions League. Uh, that was the rumor. That's a six million deal. That's only optional if we don't make the Champions League, which I'm fine with. I, I think a six million dollar purchase yeah. from the back is a fine purchase to commit to once you actually get that Champions League money. I've also talked to a friend of mine. So Angelino used to play for NYCFC. Um, he's been a bit of a journeyman all over the, over the course of his career. But uh, I think a big part of that was that he was owned by Manchester City, City Group and. Yeah. Just the nature of being a Manchester City product is that, like, he was an academy player for them and from 2013 to 2015 and then was sent out on loan to New York City FC, which is a Manchester City club. And he was sent out to Girona, which is a Manchester City club. Then he was sent out to Mallorca, which I believe has, has ties with, with Manchester City. Like, this is a guy who is... By all, by all accounts, pretty talented. Mm-hmm. He just had the pleasure slash misfortune of coming up in the Manchester City system. And as a result, never really got a chance to be in a top flight big club. Um, so he's played for PSV and was pretty successful there. He's played at Red Bull Leipzig and he's been successful there. Um, he's been at Hoffenheim and he was at Galatasaray. Wasn't very impressive for that part, but it does seem like that deal is signed and... You know, considering how poor Spinazzola has been, I'll take I'll take a, a 27-year-old Spanish international with something to prove. Yeah, I, I think in terms of what he brings, it brings a different aspect too. Like, we know that Roma's fullbacks don't whip in crosses very well right now, right? That's why they're having so many problems when they, especially under Mourinho, when you're playing at 3-5-2, you're, you're playing balls wide to your fullbacks and, and the attack's dying. They're not getting good crosses in. This is a guy who had eight assists domestically last year in, in 30 starts. Um, the, that was with Hoppenheim in the Bundesliga the year before with RB Leipzig, two goals, five assists in, in the league. This is only domestic league stats. Um, season before that with Leipzig, he had a three-year spell at Leipzig or, or two and a half seasons or so. Um, four goals, four assists. So this is a guy who can contribute offensively. Like you said, at PSV, he had a goal, nine assists in a season there. He is a journeyman, um, you know, which, which makes you wonder why he's bouncing around so much. But with the price tag it's got, it's not it's not a, a, a big risk, even if it does become a, an obligation. He's in those kind of prime years. And if you get the the guy who's providing five to eight assists a season, um, you know, you prorate that over half a year, he gives you four assists or so. That's a lot better than what we've and, been getting. And I think that is yeah, exactly. If I, I, I'm going to go to, I have to look at Roma's um, fullback stats now that we're on it. Because to me, like, if, I know he doesn't have it for Galatasaray this year, but if I'm looking at the roster right now and I'm looking at assists, the first one that pops up is Spinozola has two. Uh, you have to go down, down, down. Rasmus has one. Karsdorp has one. Zalewski has one, if you consider him a fullback for the time he's played there, right? So you're looking at a combined five assists from four players that have played yeah. those positions uh, in the league. Salik does not have anything. I know he had a, one really good game in Europa League where he contributed, but like that's it, right? Roma's not producing, and that that's with that's considering 
five players for two positions. So if Angelina can come in and give you four assists from one position, uh, that would be a great move for them, I think. Um, it'll just add another dimension to to Roma, especially if they want to play attacking football under De Rossi like they've shown so far. This is a guy who can give you an attacking um, presence down the left wing and, and give you a wide presence and a guy who can whip and cross this to Lukaku and you know whoever else is in the, in the middle of the, of the box, I think. Yeah, I 100% agree there. Um, it's been frustrating to see how terrible Roma's been at crosses this season, uh, especially because of how how high quality. Like you and I both know that Nikola Zalewski and Leonardo Spinazzola aren't dopes. It's not like they've been terrible players for most of their careers. They just haven't had it this season, which is incredibly frustrating. And I, I'm going to be honest, I don't think Spinazzola just has it, period, in his legs anymore. I think it's kind of over for him. Um, with Selleck and Karsdorp, they've never been like world beaters again. So, like, for it, it always struck me as odd that maybe this was about finances, but Mourinho's tactic did seem so wingback dependent to have yep. these players who were just so limp on the pitch in terms of actually creating anything, let alone scoring something. I don't really know why he stuck with that tactic in the long term. It seems like it probably did a lot more damage than almost any other tactical decision he made. Uh, hopefully Angelino is an improvement over that. Uh, I, again, kind of reminds me of how I'm feeling about De Rossi as manager right now. I am cautiously optimistic in the sense that I think it's an improvement on what we were doing before, but I will also, I'm also very prepared to be disappointed. Yeah. We have to see it against even mid table sides, right? We've seen it against two lower table sides and, and there's going to be that learning curve like we talked about, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're going to get a left back in there for him that can attack a little bit, especially if Rome wants to play his possession football. Um, I was reading, I think it was on our our, our boards that someone who's, you know, seen Angelino play, because I can't say, you know, I've watched Leipzig games in the past few years and things like that, but I can't say off the top of my head, I remember him specifically. I remember the name. Um, he's almost like a Kolarov without the as much of a physical presence, which, heck, if you could get the, the offensive contributions we got from Kolarov and we had him at the end of his career, i take yeah. that. Um you know, and I, I think, too, when Indica comes back, I, I saw some comments, too, when Indica comes back, it makes the high line a little more feasible than with Lorente Mancini. I think if it's Indica Mancini, you get a little more pace back there, and that can help with, you know, opposing counterattacks. So I, I think this this will help. If this is the only move that ends up coming to fruition in, in January, I think it's probably the position of most need right now, um, especially with the fact that Zalefsi is likely to play more forward in his more natural position under De Rossi from what we've seen so far. Um, and I'm just hoping that in the next 24 hours to 48 hours, something happens with Baldanzi. That'd be great. But I'm not, I'm not pinning my hopes on it. I'm really not. Um, and then you have to hope if that doesn't come to fruition because, um, you know, Sanchez doesn't want to go anywhere, that Sanchez at least gives you something moving forward. Yeah. I, I think that that's the thing. You got to get something out of them if they can't cut the loan short. Yeah, yeah, it's frustrating about the loan because I mean Sanchez was. You understand why they brought him in, especially with the oh yeah, the, 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 the talent is there. The talent, the talent there, whenever he's able to play, he looks like one of the best players on the pitch. It's just like frustrating that you never actually get to see him play that much. And yeah. I mean, he's commented that on that himself, and that's probably part of the reason why I imagine he doesn't want to leave because it feels like he's got something to prove. It's very fair that to feel like he's got to have something to prove. This guy is not even that old; he's like twenty-four. And yeah. the fact that he's kind of having to struggle through these injuries, that's tough. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, of course, you know, as we were saying before, Baldanzi is night and day here. 
in terms of just ability, use being used to the Serie A existence, like, and just being a long-term move. I had hoped, honestly, that um, Sanchez would be a long-term move. There's no way he's going to be at this point. So no, I, I'd rather just no. cut. I'd rather just cut bait if it means we can go after Baldanzi. Yeah. Uh, latest reports um, from Demarzio. This was four hours ago. So this is like pretty much post, immediately post-match um, today, and I'm seeing that. Uh, Belotti is looking to stay. Um, you know, he could be on the way out, but he's looking to stay. And it looks like Salik is being targeted by Galatasaray. There's kind of like a, a fullback, um, little cycle that's going around because I think, um, I think, um, Byron bought Bully from, from over there or whatever their fullback's name is. So Salik is a replacement. Um, and it looks like, uh, Baldanzi is in standby right now, according to the mark no more detail than that, but it is in standby. So, um, yeah. Um, someone so <laughs> Sanchez the door then because longer term, we know Baldanzi is the, the going to be the better move for Roma. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess next 48 hours, keep with us on, on the site. We'll have any updates that, that do pop up. Um, Angelino should become probably official. I would, I would think by, by maybe tomorrow now that the match day is over. Um, before we end this, Jim, anything you want to leave the listeners with on today's match or the upcoming match? Again, it's a Monday match next week. Makes it difficult for watching, um, you know, but we'll do the best we can to break it down just like we did this week. And uh, hopefully it's another win against Cali. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying cautious optimism is the mood of the moment uh, for me. With uh, De Rossi as a manager, with Pellegrini's resurgence with Roma's defense looking solid. Uh, there are a lot of reasons why I think it could all disappear by the time that we play that intermatch, but I'm hopeful that this doesn't happen. I'm hope I'm hopeful that Roma is able to pull things through and really fight for a Champions League spot, which they're doing right now, which is fantastic. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I agree. Uh, cautious optimism. Yeah, it's good to see Roma back up to fifth, even with those teams having a match in hand. I think it's got to be another three points against Cali at the Olympico on Monday. Uh, and then we turn our attention to Inter and, and Feyenoord, which are going to be tougher matches. And the one thing I want to say about Feyenoord, I'm curious to see how, and we'll talk more about this probably next weekend or even post-Inter match, curious to see how De Rossi approaches that match. We know Mourinho was very uh, defensive in Europe and, and just fight tooth and nail to get that one goal, uh, take it extra time if need be. I'm curious to see how De Rossi approaches European matches. That's something we can we can let simmer out there with the listeners. Uh, comment to let us know how you see maybe De Rossi changing things up or not changing things up uh, when we go to Europe to play a Dutch side who's going to want to control the ball too probably for, for much of the match. So we'll see. Uh, plenty, plenty to talk about now with De Rossi in charge and with the, the schedules coming up. So we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for listening and uh, keep up with the site for any last-minute transfers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.